Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. Um, I, I, know, I know that the, the intensity of, of preaching in this church has changed a little bit, and hopefully not a shock to you, um, but that's just what happens when you, when you start freeing up the capacity of different leaders. Um, and uh, I just, I got to tell you, I feel like we're in a strong season of God's Word and uh, I really do hope that you're taking to heart what we're saying. From the, I hope you always have. Um, but in this season, I need you to do it more. And uh, that, that's because what we're, what, we're, what we're doing and what we're about to see God do requires that we're all in this together. And uh, for sure, a lot of churches have, have lost people and people have decided to pick up and change churches and move. And there's stuff like that going on. And you know, I, I just can't make time for all that uh, because nothing has changed with the mission and the vision that Jesus has put on our lives. And so we need to learn to absorb the bumps and we need to learn to, to, to find a way to bring Jesus and, and put him in front of people. And nothing else really matters other than that, just so we're clear. That, that is the modus of the church. The modus of the church is the Great Commission. And I don't, I don't care how oppressed people are. I don't care how much oppression governments bring or don't bring. It, it does not matter to the church. Historically, it has never mattered to the church. We do what Jesus says. That's it. So this is the last message in the series, Roots. And the title of today's message is Generations. And that's not just because uh, that's the name of our church. But it kind of is. It's, see, the, the, the reason why we are what we are is, is because that's where God led us when we planted the church. Yeah. A church for, for the generations, not just one. So many works start, rise, and fall in a single or maybe two or three generations because they're built on a person. Right. And that's just not what we did here. That's never been our goal. That's never been our philosophy. That's never been our call or our desire. We are trying to build something. You've heard me say before, the ceiling of my life is the floor someone else is going to build on. That's it. The ceiling of my life is the place someone else gets to start. And I'm good with that. I'm ready to meet Jesus if that's all I accomplish. At the end of it all is holding up the next generation, holding up some other leader so that they can go to the place that God needs to take them. Then I've accomplished God's will for my life in this world. And you would be well to adopt the same mentality. You'd do well. Uh, so it's no secret that's we're about. We are rooted, just for the record, in healthy movements as a church and healthy leaders, healthy people who helped us to establish Generations Church. Uh, and we make changes to ensure that this church has a lifespan of more than those one or two or three maybe generations. That's, that's the why for some of the change in structure recently. Let's start with this verse, Psalm 119, verse 90. For your faithfulness con- continues throughout generations. That's just the first half of verse 90. Um, you could read all hundred and, what is it, 50 or so verses in Psalm 119. There is a lot of good stuff. In fact, you don't need to do anything else this week other than study Psalm 119. It will answer a lot of questions. The Holy Spirit will speak to you and take you a lot of places just if you meditate on Psalm 119. It's huge. It's incredible, the promises and the realities of a relationship with God that are revealed, especially when you understand that the book of Psalms is speaking not only to its present time, but ahead to the age of the church. It's an amazing picture. But let's just camp on that for one moment. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. That's why we're Generations Church. 
We believe that the faithfulness of God will be here when I'm dead and gone. The faithfulness of God is going to continue. Uh, whichever ones of our children take over and lead this church into the future, maybe they're not even born yet. It doesn't matter to me. I mean, it probably won't be one of my kids yet. I'm making a note of that, Lord. Um, we're, we're good. We will adopt spiritual sons and daughters at this point. Um, <laughs> Ooh, you got to be careful what you say because God does miracles. Um, and that would be a wonderful miracle. I'm just, I don't, I, okay, I got to stop. Listen, we believe in a generational movement. We believe that God wants to do more than, than 2021. God wants to do more. God's going to continue to do what he needs to do until the end of this age. Um, now let's talk about the devil for a second. The enemy, or the devil, the adversary of our souls, uh, Lucifer, the fallen angel, all, all of his mantras, all of his names, uh, he's known for this in Scripture, for prowling around like a... So a little louder, come on. That's right, like a roaring lion, roar, right? And, uh, and, and we in church from time to time talk about what he does, which he comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. And I want you to know this, lions like to kill the next generation. Right. Now, I, I've said this to you a lot lately, and so please don't get tired of hearing this or start to silence my voice in your own head, like the Charlie Brown teacher. No. Some of you take yourselves too seriously. You're, you're too much in the center of your own story, and you actually think that the devil's after you. I, wanna, I want you to take this away. Just imagine with me, if you can, imagine this, because there's a biblical principle here I want to try to uncover this morning for us. So, because there's a generational analogy all through this. So the lion comes to kill and eat, because lions need to eat, right, in, on, the, on the plains, in the jungle. And typically we know that the lions, they kill like the weak and the old and the young. And I want you to understand this. Lions, a pride of lions, absolutely hunt a herd of, of gazelles. Let's say there's gazelles or whatever kind of African antelope you want to imagine. Does the lion hunt the herd? Yes. Does the lion hunt the church? Absolutely. Why? The lion hunts the whole herd because by hunting the whole herd, he pressures out the old, the weak, the sick, and the young. See, even though the enemy comes against the church, it's not because he thinks he's going to take down the whole church. The enemy puts pressure on a church to expose and exploit the weak, the young, the old, the sick. Those, those who are not in a place of being right-minded. Those who are not in a place of defending themselves. Those who are not in a place of, of being able to handle the, 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 I don't know, whatever it is that's going on in our world today. The enemy pressures the church in order to expose and exploit the members that it actually wants to eat. That's how it works in nature and when we follow the analogy that God uses, let, we can just follow it to its logical conclusion, right? So lions like to eat the little ones. They're tender, I'm sure. They're tasty. They're easy. Their bones are softer. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of things that lions like about young baby gazelles. But their vulnerability, their, that, that new generation has just been born. Did you know even here that... Black bears, grizzly bears, wolves, coyotes, cougars, lynx even. What they eat a lot through the spring is, is fawns. Little cute, oh, they're just so cute. Little baby deer and elk. 
Little baby. Moose are ugly when they get older, but man, they are cute when they're babies. That's what predators do. The predators, they, they predate upon the new generation. Uh, here's an interesting thought about lions that came to me this morning as I was finishing this up. Lions, the cat species, are one of the only predators that actively kill their own young just so that they're the only ones around. Now, where that fits into the church is sometimes we see that happen in the church where a leader will try to hold on to every part of organization, every part of control. It's the same principle to me. That, that's, that's stomping out the life that's trying to come up and, and take over and cause expansion and growth and health to come. Interesting to me that lions will wipe out their own generations just so that they're the, I was going to say the big dog, but that doesn't really fit. So they're the, the, the top cat, that's the thing. 1 Peter 5, 8 is the verse that says it. Be alert and of sober mind. Someone say sober mind. So someone say it again, sober mind. Yeah, be careful how much you drink. Be careful what you smoke. Because you're to be of sober mind. Now, is there any a time where it's, not, where it's okay for the follower of Christ to not be of sober mind? Okay, you, you don't have to answer right now. But you study God's word inside and out and come back to me. We'll have a conversation. Or just take my word for it. Nowhere does the scripture give us permission to not be of sober mind. We're always to be of sober mind. Always. We always need to have our wits about us. We always need to be aware. Why? Because our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. This is why I pointed out to you that lions hunt the herd to exploit the weak. Guys, every church on planet Earth is undergoing some kind of pressure, frustration, persecution, growth pain, uh, some, some kind of death or shrinkage in, their, in, in what they're facing. This is happening all over the place all the time. We would be very, very, very um, uh, arrogant or ignorant, whichever one you want, to think that we're the only ones. We're not. And as much as we feel that our freedoms are trampled here, they're trampled worse in other places. I mean, it's true, and that doesn't mean we shouldn't resist. I'm not saying that at all. It's just we need to keep perspective and unity in the body of Christ. We need to judge rightly. You might think that the devil is after you personally. And he might be, but for the most part... You're just thinking it's too much about you. you gotta, here, here's the thing. For, for the men, for the leaders in our church, you have to stop thinking of, of yourself as the center of the whole story. And everything in the world tells us, you know, what's the one song? I can be your hero, baby! That, that's how we think. Well, I can be the hero. Well, I can be the king. Well, I can be the guy in charge. I can be the priest. I can be the, I can be the leader. I'm the guy in charge. Me, me, me. Pretty soon you got a me, me, me doctrine, and Jesus isn't even in your doctrine anymore. See, we need to realize it's not so much about us as it is about something else that the enemy is after. What is it that the enemy is after? Well, I've already established in the natural order for you that lions like to hunt the weak. They like, to, they like the young ones. That's what they're going after. And the enemy will hurt you just like a lion would eat any old gazelle that chose to lay there in front of him. Right? I mean, even Brad Karpiak, if he's out on the savannah, he's as big as a big lion. 
But if he's just going to lay there and not run away or not fight back, the lion will just as soon eat him as anyone else. But see, the thing is, is when we're all out in the church or we're all out in the world or we're all out on the great African plains, however you need to make this analogy fit your storyline, the fact of the matter is, is those of us who know what the lion is see the lion and say, that's not good. Let's get away from the lion. See, so the enemy knows that. The enemy knows he's not going to come and, you know, he might tempt me to steal a pack of bubble gum, but I'm just not going to do it. Right? He might tempt me to, to do something to look the wrong way. I'm just not going to do it. I'm, do, I'm done with that. I don't want to make provisions for the lusts of the flesh. It's so easy to starve your flesh out if you just stop making provision for it. Yeah, I know. It's Bible. It preaches. Don't worry. The devil is after you. Why? Because he wants to exploit the generation coming after you. That's why. The devil is after you because he actually is trying to derail your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids. Oh, Pastor Trav, where are you reading that? Oh, I'll get to it. See, in order to get your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids, what the devil wants to do is keep you distracted and off-task. He wants to make sure that your focus is not where it should be. And sometimes that happens when, oh, the devil's after me. Oh, the devil this, the devil made me do it. The devil, blah, the devil, the devil. If you are a believer, if you are a child of God, bought by the blood of Jesus, the enemy, the devil, Satan himself, is already under your authority. So don't talk to me about what the devil's trying to do to you. I don't care. If, if you can see that the devil's after you, get up. Do something about it. Here's what I want our church to understand. The devil is after our kids. He's after those who are in the formative stage. The devil is after the 50-year-old man who's coming to our church but does not yet have a relationship with Jesus. That's who the devil is after because that is the next generation. Here's why the devil goes after the generations. Because in Numbers 14, 18, it says this, The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiving in sin and rebellion, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children of the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Iniquity follows generationally. And so you see, the enemy got to me long before I was born by entrapping and enslaving my great-great-grandfather in sin. Now this is a biblical principle. I'm not trying to establish a literal thing that you need to worry about and run around after. I'm just trying to help you understand how he works because the Bible says we should not be unaware of the schemes of the devil. Generationally speaking, what he wants to do is affect me in a way that he can have access to my kids. You want to know the number one way the devil does that today? He distracts you. He makes it hard for you. He makes life uncomfortable for you. So you give the attention of your child over to an iPad. Oh, snap. Oh, my gosh. We're offended by this verse. How could a God who loves... Punish generations. Guys, God is who he is, and he has set the earth in its course. And it, it, I, I just gotta, God does not hold the globe on his fingertip and have to continually spin it with his hand like a Harlem Globetrotter. That's not what's happening. 
When Jesus spoke everything into being, it came into being as if it had always been in being. And the, the, whole, the whole of creation is sustained by the word of his power. And so many of the things that we observe going on around us, including, including this, this is the result of sin, that it will be carried on. Iniquity will be carried on to the third and fourth generation. And so when the devil gets my great-great-grandfather, well, can I hang it all on him? No, why? Because he had a great-great-grandfather too. Do you understand the pattern? Do you understand how we need to wake up and come to the table in unity? We need to come with understanding on Sunday morning that what the pastors and teachers in the world today, in the body of Christ, are trying to help us understand is how to avoid the schemes of the devil. We're not trying to inconvenience you in the church. We're trying to protect your life. We're trying to protect the life of your offspring, both spiritual and physical. That's why you'll find me largely uninvolved in doctrinal debate and discussion. I just, guys, I won't, forgive me for saying it this way, I just won't lower myself to that. And I'm not saying that in a conceited way. That's the reality of it. That's the reality of it. When we are sitting around debating and having debacles and division and dissension in the church, because people are being entranced and drawn away by doctrines, that aren't the church, that aren't the local church that you're a part of. When that's happening, you are distracted as to what the enemy wants to do. So we need to stop that behavior. If this is your church, put your roots down here. Go deep. Be brave. It's worth it. I promise you, even though you think you're missing out on everything, you're actually missing out on nothing. The, 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 the sin, the iniquity of fathers is visited not because of God's will and a desire to punish and hurt people. You, you forget that the verse starts with the Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiving sin and rebellion. You see, and the problem is, is we don't read that part of the verse. We're just like, well, the Lord punishes people to the third and fourth generation. What a, what a mean God he is. Forgetting that, well, he already said he would forgive, but what does forgiveness require? Well, forgiveness requires you to turn from sin. Yeah. It requires you to say, oh, shoot, I did this wrong. God, I'm sorry. Help me to change. I'm going to turn from my sin, and I'm going to go this way. To repent is to turn 180 from it. To walk the other way from sin. And when we do that, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin, the Bible says, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I have to tell you that when, when, when those days come and I realize that I'm under attack, you know the first place that the attack on me leaks to is to my kids. Ever noticed that in your own life? If you haven't noticed, it's just because you haven't noticed, but that's exactly what happens. Your stress, your pressure, right onto the kids, right onto the people closest to you, and the cycle can repeat itself so, so easily. The sin that so easily entangles us, guys, is not the addiction to pornography or the alcohol or the drugs. The sin that so easily besets or entangles us is, is largely going to be in the attitudes and the way we respond with our anxiety to what's going on around us. It's the truth. It's the truth. You know, 
we planted the church with my kids in mind. Huge part. And my grandkids. And my great-grandkids. Now, I have not conceived, and no one has conceived of my grandkids yet. <laughs> right. But you know, I love my, I love my daughter-in-laws. I'm going to have two daughter-in-laws someday. I, I already love them. And I'm going to have two son-in-laws someday. And you know, I, I already love them in a way I can't even explain. And I pray for them. And I trust God and I hope for them. And I hope for the grandchildren and the great-grandchildren that are going to come out of that. Because that's why we did Generations Church. We did it so that the faithfulness of God would be known to all the generations that come. I don't follow Jesus just for my own sake anymore. When I was young, I followed Jesus. I, I remember going to Bear Lake Bible Camp as a seven or eight-year-old and going to every altar call to make sure I was a Christian. I mean, at some point, they were probably like, where is this kid's church family? Someone needs to explain to him the doctrine of, of salvation. Like, oh, I just wanted to be sure. And I felt the Holy Spirit pulling on my heart, so I wanted to be sure. But, you know, as I grew up, I realized it's not about me. It's not about me, but my choices my decisions, my attitude, my heart, my response dictates a great deal of what's going to go on in the lives of the people who are connected to me. It's incredible. One of the saddest things I've ever seen, one of the saddest things I've ever heard of, and one of the saddest things I've ever known is churches where they're all Holy Spirit filled. That's a good thing, always a good thing but where the parents are in the service. You know, getting it on, praying in tongues, prophesying. There's, there's all the things happening. And their kids are sitting out in the lobby on an iPad watching Disney+. Plus. Don't even get me started on Disney+. Plus. Do not let your children access Disney+, Plus without explicit Clarity and instruction from you. It is not for kids. See what I'm saying? The devil wants to distract you so he can put that crap in front of your kids' eyes. That's, that's why he pressures you. That's why he's on you. That's why he, he works at your anxiety. That's why he works at those parts of you so that rather than trust God, you try to distract and build and do your own thing. And it's all a ruse. It's all a setup so that he can have access to what is most precious to you and to God. We are clearly moving into a time where the church needs to become as bold as lions. When it comes to protecting our children, when it comes to protecting their rights, when it comes to protecting their identity and their innocence. The days are upon us. Guys, let me just say this. Church is worth the fight. Being here on Sunday mornings is worth the fight. It is, it's worth the mess. It's worth the headaches, even the migraines. It's worth those. It's worth the hardships. It's worth the inconvenience. It's worth the after-church, hangry, temper-tantrum moments, even if it's your husband, ladies. And it's simply because it's not about you anymore. 
It's about your children and your children and your children's children. That's what it's about. It's about, it's about what God wants to do in a generation to set the next generation up to go to the next level in this world. You think Billy Graham was anything? Billy Graham is one of the most honored and revered men of God that the, that the history of the church will know. And I'm including everything right up to Jesus. But you ain't seen nothing yet if the church would wake up, be united at the table of the Lord, and start doing only what Jesus says and saying only what they hear him say. Because it's about the generations. It's not about you. And at the same time, it is about you. You are his favorite treasured possession. You are favored, anointed, called, filled with his power. All for the glory of his name. Just like we sang about. That is, that is still you. It's just not about you. It's to make it sense to you. I know it's weird to hear, and it's kind of weird to say. But it is about you, but it's only about you so that it doesn't have to be about you anymore. That's why the church is here. That's why we say, welcome to Generations Church. So glad you've planted with us. So glad you've done next steps. Now it's no longer about you. It's about you till it's not needing to be anymore. We got bigger fish to fry, I guess. It's, it's not about bigger fish or things that are more important. It's just the way the body of Christ needs to work. It's the way it needs to be. It's how God set this up. You know, this, the top of the temple is impressive. And nobody looks at the top of a grand building, all of its architecture. No one looks at the top of all that and thinks, man, what a foundation there is underneath it. Right. No one thinks that. But, but let me tell you, in, in verses, in, in the reality of where people look for importance and what truly is important, the top of the building will never be more important than the foundation of the building. And you are the foundation of someone's life in Jesus Christ. You are the foundation of your children's spiritual future as a parent. And some of us need to get way more serious about the game we're in. Acts 2, 39. Peter said to them, Repent, each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far away, as many as the Lord God will call to himself. Now, this is not a dispensational verse, just so we're clear. This is not a verse that is limited to the age of the apostles. Anyone who tells you that will go to their church and believe what they're teaching, but that's not what the Bible teaches. This is not limited in its dispensation. This is for all who are far off. And when we read this, we need to understand it's not just like, well, we're in Jerusalem, and so a few uh, counties over is all those who are far off. It's, for, it's generational in its explanation. It is for you and your children and all who are far off. Why would it suddenly change from speaking to your generational line and suddenly speak to your geographical line? It doesn't. It is age to age, generation to generation to generation to generation. Guys, if you can understand, if you can comprehend this, that God will visit the iniquity of the father's sin to the third and fourth generation, how many generations is he willing to visit his blessing upon them? Just think for a moment. I'll tell you the answer. I'm so excited to. When you repent... And come under the grace, under the blood of Jesus. 
that favor, that blessing continues for all generations. Iniquity is four or three. But the blessing of salvation, oh, it's eternal. Come on, we got to keep perspective. This is why the enemy wants to get in there and confuse you and distract you. To just look at these verses. Just, just look at this doctrine. Why do you think the apostles had to instruct the early church? Stop being entangled. Stop being drawn into genealogies. And stop being drawn into discussions and arguments about various strange doctrines. Preach Christ crucified. Too simple for you? Then maybe you don't get it yet. Preach Christ crucified. Uh, you've heard this verse before, I'm sure. I know you have, if you listen here. You've heard this. Train up your child and the way he should go, or she, even when he grows older, he will not abandon it. That's true. But here's a verse I want to share with you to deal with the Sadly, in, right now, guys, in the world, children and teens are facing higher levels of anxiety than any other point in recorded history. We're not even at war. Like, I get anxiety when you go to school and you're worried the Germans are going to bomb your school. I, I get that. I get that level of anxiety. But we're living in a world right now where, where they're telling us, and I believe this because I see it in people's lives, where our youth, our teens, our children, even our infants are dealing with anxiety at higher levels than has ever been recorded in human history. And the church is splitting hairs still. Isaiah 54, this is the promise for you and for me. All your children will be taught by the Lord, and great will be their peace. Great will be their peace. Well, that's good, Pastor Trav. I'm glad you brought up this morning that my children need to be taught by the Lord. Thank you very much for that. I'm, okay, well, what are you going to do with that? Where does your kid get taught by the Lord? At home? Sure. Is that it? I'm glad some of you said home because I think that's really good. I think parents should teach their children about the Lord because the Bible says we should. Here's what I'm going to say to you in love, with respect, and a smile on my face that's not really a smile and it's kind of serious at the same time, but wanting you to understand that I really, truly love you. You might be, a, you might be the one to teach your children at home, but some of your theology sucks. Some of you are bad at theology. And you should stop trying to be a theological pastor to your children and come to the body of Christ where we train theologians. And we train people to help you unpack the Word of God and unfold it. Uh, in uh, Psalm 119, somewhere in the middle, there's a verse that says, when your Word is unfolded, it becomes clear. And I think it goes on to say, so even a simpleton can read it. Might be, I might be paraphrasing a little too, too long there, but you just go read Psalm 119 and tell me if I was wrong. Listen, where can you bring your kids to be taught by the Lord? To the local church. Absolutely. Especially to the local church that believes in the generations, not just a generation. The local church. And yes, you can teach your own kids. But you can only teach your own kids what you're being taught yourself. I'm not, I'm not a great teacher of children, just so you know. 
I, I lack some clarity when I explain things to my sons and daughters that my gracious wife has to come and help me double down or triple down or quadruple down, or we can just keep going on the upples till we get to some place where finally somebody gets what I'm trying to say. Because I'm actually a poor detail communicator sometimes. Right? So, so guess who I utilize in my life to help teach my children the way they should go? Guess who I utilize to help my children be taught by the Lord? Well, I use Carlisle Kent and Tyson Hickson and Tyler Sutherland and I use Christine, I use, I use Jana, I use all the people that are available to me in the body of Christ so that my children will be taught of the Lord and know great peace. You can't teach your child at home all by yourself and expect them to get the fullness of the local church, which is the body of Christ, which is his bride, as we've clearly established in this series. You can't give all that to them with internet services. You can't. You can't. They need to be in the presence of God. They need it. You and your kids need to be here. You need to be here in person as much as it's possible, serving and growing and living in the place where you can be taught by the Lord. I don't know if you're hearing me yet. I don't, I don't know if you're comprehending what I'm trying to say to you this morning. But let me just say it this way, guys. If your pastor needs the local church so that his kids are going to be okay, how much more should you need the local church for your kids to be okay? If I'm the guy who's standing up here because for whatever reason, God saw fit to delegate authority to me, God saw fit to anoint me for this job, God saw fit to place me here and bless what we do, right? The evidence of, of what we're doing in Generations Church, believe me, is not measured in my merit. It's measured by the fact that God is doing something. That's what it's measured by. Not me, not my success, not my waistline. Good thing. Guys, if I need, if I need the church to help me be a parent, gosh, how much more do you? And the only reason we can't say Jesus is because Jesus didn't have earthly kids. But I don't know. I'm not even going to go there. You can't replace the presence of God in your life that's experienced in the local church. You cannot replace it with anything. It is irreplaceable. It is a virtue. It is an experience. It is a reality that only happens where we gather together. Yes, two or three, sure, all that. But even more, when we come together singing songs, hymns and spiritual songs, where we dedicate ourselves to the public reading of Scripture, where we baptize people, where we see people healed, where we pray together, where we commune together. That's the actions of the local church. And it's in those actions that your children are placed and kept in the presence of God. You need to get your roots and the roots of your family to go deep in what God is doing right here in this house. And if not here, then please, somewhere else. But no matter what, let your roots go down deeply. and Be fed and watered and taken care of by the body of Christ. Be sown into it. Be grafted into it. And i got to tell you that this is not optional if you want the promises of God to be released over your family. Yeah. You, listen, I'm going to say this as nicely as I can, but you cannot have the blessings of God that he has promised and flaunt the church. It's his bride, man. 
It's his bride. If you flaunt my wife, we're going to go outside. We're going to settle it. And I probably won't fight clean either. I'll wait till your back is turned and I'll choke you out. Yeah, especially you, Brad. I'd use, the, I'd use the taser thing on you, actually. That's why God gave it to me. That's why the Lord provided it to us. In case Brad gets out of control, I guess. Right? You don't, you don't insult my bride. You don't flaunt her. You don't say, well, we don't need her. Because you're going you're gonna to stir up my ire. Listen to me. How much more will you tick God off? If you say, well, we don't need the bride. Think about it. Think about it. There's too much kingdom. I'm closing with this. The worship can come back up. There's too much kingdom seeking in the church. Now let me explain that because that could sound really bad. There's too much kingdom seeking because the kingdom seeking is the seeking of the kingdom of me, the kingdom of self, the kingdom of my rights, the kingdom of my freedoms. And all of these are not his kingdom. They're your kingdom. But what's amazing is, according to Matthew 6.33, let's put it up, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided to you. You see, all those other kingdoms that you're concerned about will be provided to you when you seek his kingdom and his righteousness first. Outside of that, it's not going to work. Outside of that, it's not going to bear fruit. Outside of that, it's not going to grow. It's not going to be healthy. It's not going to come to much, if anything at all. It's not going to be what you hoped because the hope isn't fastened to the right place. You know, Matthew 6.33 in my NASB study study Bible, uh, the, the heading over that little group of scriptures is the cure for anxiety, just so you know. It was awesome. Oh, the cure for anxiety. Figures. Read that one too. Read Matthew chapter 6 this week. Psalm 119, Matthew chapter 6. And if you want to talk to me about Bible and you want to talk to me and discuss the Word of God with me, I'd be happy to talk with you about those two chapters. How's that sound? Ultimately, it's about His kingdom. It's not about mine. It's not about yours. And I know you know that, but I need you to know that in a whole new way. Guys, it's not, it's not about your kingdom. It's about his kingdom. And by the way, your kids are actually his kids. He, he gave them to you. Check that out. They're his kids because he gave them to you. Why? Because scripture says, behold, children are an inheritance from the Lord. Terry, you're holding an inheritance from the Lord in your arms. And, and it's his, and as parents, we get to mold and steward, and hopefully, as the mother of Samuel did, return him back to God. What a powerful image, guys. See, that's why it's not about me, and that's why it's not about you. Even though it can be, it just isn't. Guys, this series has been about reminding you of where your roots need to be. And I know I've said some intense things and said some hard things. And if I could just close the series out with this comment, stop chasing and start growing. Sometimes I, I, the book that, that book, God Chasers from back in the early 2000s, I'm like, oh, just the title alone creates problems. 
and it's, it's, it's not a bad book or anything like that. It's just the mentality of the church needs to be stop chasing everything and start putting your roots down. Start being the planting of the Lord, the tree firmly planted by streams of water. Start appreciating the authority structure God has set up in the church because it's to your benefit that God has placed authority in our lives. Let the Holy Spirit confront you about these things. Let Him. Let Him confront you today about the place you're in because this place is a safe place. This place is His body. This place is His bride. And this place is His church. Let me pray for you. Jesus, for every person in this room, for everyone who's watching us online today, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would help us to understand this simple but complicated thing. That it is about us, but at the same time, it's, it's just not. That we're grafted into something that is so big and so unique and yet so intimately involved with who we are as individuals. Jesus, would you help us today understand the magnitude of what you're doing in this world? Fill us with awe and wonder for how you can pull all the things off that you do. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to ask you, remind us to ask you where our part is in that. Lord, we want to do your will. We want to walk in your steps. We want to say the things you want us to say. And Lord, surely we need your help more than ever to do that. Amen. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.